Cloudcast Media presents from the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina. This is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome back to the Cloudcast, coming to you live from our massive studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, just me tonight, I think, uh, from Aaron. Uh, Aaron got sort of busy, was under the weather, and I think uh, the week of hanging out together out at, uh, out at the Google event in San Francisco may have made him want to uh, spend a little less time with me. But anyways, we're, it's all good. Um, you know, usually I, I just jump right into the show. We get going with our guests, and uh, I'm gonna, I, I have to ramble a little bit. I have to set this up a little bit, because tonight's show is going to be a little bit unique. Uh, I think it's a really, really interesting story, very, very interesting guests, but I want to sort of set this up a little bit. You know, uh, I grew up in Detroit, Michigan, and obviously if if you're from Detroit or you know anything about Detroit, uh, obviously, you know, what we do there, what we did there was, was we built automobiles and, and everything about the state, everything about the city was, was really centered around this one industry. Uh, and, you know, you basically couldn't go anywhere and not run into somebody whose parents, their parents, their aunts and uncles, multiple generations had worked in the auto industry. And when the auto industry went through some struggles, at least in the United States, which has been the last couple of decades or so, you know, you really started to realize, you know, for, for various reasons that, that an entire industry can really get disrupted. And you start to wonder, you know, what happens to those people that have spent their lives, uh, their family has spent their lives around a certain industry that, that transforms quite a bit. And in some cases, in the auto industry, it was automation and, and uh, competition from overseas and, and lots of other things. Um, but, but this applies to a lot of different industries. And so, you know, I'm always kind of, you know, keen to, to what happens in that space. And, you know, a few weeks ago, I was reading, uh, reading an article, uh, from Wired Magazine and, and the article said, uh, uh, you know, the next, the next generation of blue collar jobs is going to be software development. It's going to be coding. And it sort of caught my eye because I thought that, that sounds like a very Silicon Valley thing, thing to say, but, but, you know, what does that really mean? And as I dug through the article, uh, I got a chance to take a look at some of the things that were profiled in there and, and very, very excited tonight uh, to have a couple of folks who were who were highlighted in that article, um, Justin Hall and uh, and uh, Peyton May from BitSource in Pikeville, Kentucky. And so uh, Justin and, and Peyton, welcome to the show. Uh, glad to have you on. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your background? Sure. I'll, I'll, I'll go first, Peyton, if that's all right. This is my first podcast. But, Excellent. Uh, very excited. So uh, my name is uh, Justin Hall, and I'm president of BitSource. Um, <clears throat> history and technology for me has been, let's see, probably in 97, I started uh, taking a look at things like Future Splash and HTML. <clears throat> I wanted to put most of my paintings and pictures uh, on this thing called the web. And so I started to uh, take a deep dive there into uh, technology and understanding how the how the web worked. I uh, did it mostly as a hobby for a while. This was when I was in Pike County in East Kentucky, uh, like when the web was still kind of infant. I moved to uh, Lexington because really there was no bit source at that time in, in Pike County. Right. Um, so I left the area and moved to uh, Lexington and, and started my own business. And I've been working in this industry uh, ever since, uh, just doing web uh, and now apps. So uh, for me, uh, hearing about the opportunity to be able to uh, come back home after listening to Lynn and Rusty uh, talk about, hey, can we can we do this? Can we teach a coal miner to code? And, you know, one of the things that uh, I said back to them was, well, well, why would you want to do that? You know, what, what's the point? 
if, if you're just going to teach them and then ship them out. So let's let's know? hold let's hold on to that thought for a second because I want to dig into that quite a bit. But uh, sure. yeah, Peyton, sure. Peyton, jump in and, and give us a little bit of your background as well. So yeah, I was formally trained in architecture. That's what my undergrad degrees in, <clears throat> and then I went to the University of Virginia and studied urban and environmental planning and got my master's. But I've always done uh, tech-related things on the side, definitely with architecture. 3D modeling and lots of 2D design and did web design on the side, which kind of translated over into this field. And, you know, I remember when my mom got the first sort of bag phone in her car and she had a real early laptop that had a card making program on it. And so from early on, I was, you know, into computers for sure. Yeah. You know, if, if anybody was listening to this, they would go, okay, cool. Uh, you know, Brian went out and found, you know, two folks who are in the tech industry or passionate about the tech industry. But let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you mentioned, Justin. Uh, let's talk about Pikeville, Kentucky. Give folks a sense of what is Pikeville, Kentucky? What's the community around that? Is it is it like Silicon Valley? Is it is it like the other big tech centers that we know around the world? So it, it's nothing like that, um, at least not yet. Yeah. Um, but one of the uh, mainstays of uh, Pike, Pikeville, especially in Pike County, is you know it's the heart of Appalachia, and so <clears throat> you've got coal mining. You know you've got a rich history of culture and heritage there. You know so it's 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 got its beginnings and and has gone through uh, pains and all these different uh, industries of uh, um, you know. <laughs> progressivism, I guess you could say, that uh, uh, looked at coal mining and looked at uh, manufacturing in a way like that's old and is going away. And so, um, you know, the mountains also represent a lot more. So um, a lot of ingenuity and grit. That's one of the reasons why we felt like BitSource uh, would be uh, a good success basically there because the people are used to you know working hard they're dedicated they're honest they're loyal and so we we thought okay what if we did this these people that have served this industry for a long long time and are unique to this area uh will they would they be able to do this kind of work and how would that set them apart from say like silicon valley so i don't know if you've seen recently the some of the news articles about silicon holler and um and so that's really interesting this take about how Appalachia can transform from uh, a coal industry to a tech sector. Yeah. And so that's what we're trying to do in Pikeville, Kentucky is give birth to, to an extent uh, to the, to the tech sector. Well, and that's, you know, I think at the heart of it is, as, as I read about your story and, and, and you and I had a chance to talk earlier and um, you know, the, the, there was a couple of things that were really, kind of kind of drew my eye to this to the situation you know one of them is um you know you, you've got a a set of communities that like you said it's a it's a rich set of communities there's there's long heritages of families and generations of families who've been there so you know it's a it's a situation where people aren't just naturally inclined to say well you know we went through some tough times or some things changed let's just move away right there it's 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 people that that want to be there, that uh, you know, have a pride in what's in, in being there. The other thing that really jumped out at me, um, you know, in reading, especially the reading the Wired article and, and kind of learning more about you guys, there's a really interesting statement from your founder, uh, a gentleman named Rusty Justice, and he said, "We we built, uh, we co-founded Built BitSource because we wanted to help retrain coal miners as programmers." Um, and he said, "You know, miners, it turns out, are accustomed to really deep focus." 
team play, working on complex engineering technologies. And they're really, you know, their coal miners are, are technology workers who get dirty. And, and to me, that was, it was really interesting, but it, it, it very much speaks to this idea that, um, you know, to, to be successful in this space, you don't necessarily have to have, you know, fancy computer science degree. You don't have to have, you know, studied in Silicon Valley. You, you just need to be, you know, curious. You need to be, you know, able to think through complex problems. I, I mean, talk about just the mindset that you guys have gone through of, of, of asking people who, you know, were coal miners, I mean, literally coal miners, um, and, and teaching them, how do you start making computers do interesting things? Sure. Peyton, I'll, I'll start out and then you can, uh, cap this if that's all right. Uh, we've been asked this question a few times. Um, one, one of the things that we did early on starting out is we wanted to be able to assess the 950 applicants, uh, that applied for the 10 positions or 11 positions that we had open when we first started. Um, <clears throat> out of 950 people, we um, we basically got a pool of about 60 that we felt like uh, we could take to the next level in testing. And so we tested them based, based on their thinking, their their behavior, uh, because some, some people just can't sit in a chair all day and do this kind of work for eight hours. Right. Um, and then also just their, their ability to, um, you know, to work through logic and things like that. So from that group, we tested out, we got a, uh, a pretty good group we felt like, and then we started to go into, uh, a little bit more in depth about, uh, how they would perform. And so that's how we actually picked the, uh, the 11 and we started out with 11, uh, and then on the first day, which is almost now entering our two-year anniversary, we we had one person that didn't show up, and we contacted him, and you know they said, "I really just don't think I can do this." Yeah. Okay. And so we knew that we had a real um, challenge ahead of us. It wasn't just can you, you know, do a knowledge transfer? Can you tune a tank? You know, or something like that? You know, with a manual. This was. You know, we we had to have them see themselves as doing something different. Yeah. And Rusty calls this uh, reimagination training. You know, we wanted them to see that they, they were sort of like, um, you know, the the astronauts in the Mercury Seven, these pioneers that are going to be doing something that nobody else has done before. And it's just a it's just an unbelievably uncomfortable position there early on when you you just feel like I I. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can keep up. I don't know if I, whatever that uncomfortableness is, is, is a hard thing to get over. Yeah, we had we had two sayings early on that we started with. Um, Rusty introduced them on day one as, as coal miners, and I immediately uh, went right after him to talk to the group, and I said, you're problem solvers from now on. We had two sayings. One of those was, discomfort is a desired state. Yeah. that's That's how you learn. And then the other one was, we're going to fail fast, we're going to fail often, and we're going to fail forward. And so uh, through that, they went and embarked on a 22-week uh, apprenticeship, and we basically learned <clears throat> everything in the stack that you need. But we also learned a lot of a lot of things that helped us learn and helped us right away You know, uh, understand how this business worked. We're an agile development team, so we taught things like agile development and how that would work. So the first day, they did a stand-up. And they took on their first story, if you're, if you're smart in agile development. Uh, and their first story was, as a bit source employee, I need to learn how to code. 
And so that set the standard and set how we work, that we're always going to be learning. Yeah. Uh, and, and we even had our sprints tailored so that, you know, the first week of the sprint was uh, getting smart on something. You know, in the beginning, it was just HTML, CSS, uh, and JavaScript. And then once we learned that stack, we moved up. And that was the next, uh, the next part of the sprint was to perform. We actually didn't have very many quizzes or tests or anything like that that a normal school would have. It was, can you show that you can do this, that you understand it, and can you perform it? Right. Now, now so I wanna, that, yeah. yeah, and I want to step back for a second. So, so out of the first 60 candidates, uh, you know, the ones that you identified as, as having the right, what you believed was going to be the ability to, to think through problems and solve problems, like how many of them would would say or would you say had like any kind of computer experience not not i've been on the internet or i used aol at the time or whatever but just like any sense of like i've made a computer do something or was it literally all of them basically starting from scratch peyton what do you think about that um, there's definitely a variety of computer skills. Like uh, some of the people that we have working here now have gone through some technical training through school, okay. um, doing network admin type stuff. Um, and then, you know, some mostly said they just used a cell phone and maybe like Facebook. Okay. So it was a whole different range. No, no one had any coding skills though. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So, so that had to be, I mean, for for them, it obviously it had to be scary because you're you're introducing to this new world, you know how you're going to measure them all. The, I mean, everything's unknown. But for you guys starting a business, that had to be pretty scary too, because it's not like you were in the education business per se. You were, you know, you were trying to get projects and and uh, you know technical work, consulting, design, you know, building websites. Like, you know, walk through kind of your end of the going home every night those first twenty two <laughs> weeks about like what are we doing? Are we sure we can pull this off? That's a great, great insight. We haven't had anybody really ask us that question before. That's good. Um, so early on, uh, Garland kind of says um, he's one of our developers. Um, Garland says uh, that I didn't really know anybody's name for the first three or four weeks when we started because I was so focused. Uh, he said it was like trying to drink water from a fire hose. Yeah. And and but but they had motivation, and he says it often. He said we it was motivation by starvation. We didn't have a job. We were coming out of unemployment. We were looking at things like moving away and losing everything. Yeah. And so when you think about that, learning how to code is not as big. They they took that. They used that as fuel. And they, they moved forward. And, and one of the basis of how we did that was through a scrum that everybody just locked arms and grabbed and went forward. Yeah. So if somebody got smart in something, uh, they were able to our cross functionality of the team that we had been emphasizing and Peyton and I just talked about uh, that we were going to you know be able to pull each other forward here. That if somebody succeeded, then the person that was behind were going to move them forward, too. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. I think, you know, a lot of people nowadays will use, uh, you know, they'll use their local teams, they'll find, you know, people on social media and, and different places to sort of help them get through that. But that's, it, you know, it, it, if when I think about, you know, sort of all the things you guys went through, I mean, you, you hit on a lot of the really basic, just kind of human needs, right? I, I have to feel like it's okay to fail. I have to feel like I'm part of a team. You know, you didn't, you were smart to not 
associate them with with where they thought they were, you know, like you said, coal miners, but you were associating them with, you know, the thing they had to to adjust. And it were, it's like you said, it wasn't an adjustment. This was, you know, literally, you know, close to being a life and death sort of thing. I mean, it's it's uh, it's really at the most basic level, it's really smart that you guys figured out those were the things to focus on and not, you know, you know, make sure that was established before you got into whatever, you know, sort of technical mumbo jumbo you had to get into later, later as you went along. What did you guys, as you were doing this, and and I, and I keep asking these questions somewhat at a basic level, because quite honestly, we have a ton of listeners who are, you know, they're somewhere in the tech industry, they're considering something else. In a lot of cases, they, uh, like Peyton said, they may have had a little bit of like network administration background and they want to get into to development. Were you just using sort of, you know, standard tools and trainings that were available on the internet? To, or, you know, what, what was the structure for your learning? Was it, you know, sort of coursework that was available? Was it just you guys took, you know, one of you took an experience you had and tried to teach it to everybody else? What was, what was the curriculum, if you will? Well, um, you know, they say that... Uh <laughs> uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So um, when I, I I was self-taught, I taught myself how to program. I'm actually an artist. Yeah. Um, but, uh, that's why I've got a degree in. Um, but again, I wanted to see this thing called the web and see if I could put my pictures on the web. Yeah. Uh, which, so um, for me, when I learned and went through this, there was no Google. There wasn't anything. There was WebMonkey. And there were books at the library and a lot of stuff on Perl and CGI. PHP had just come out. You know, these these new technologies were just starting to rise up. RSS hadn't been invented yet, those kind of things. And so I kind of looked back and said it was it was one of those things where an older gentleman told me one time, he said, if you want to go somewhere, go down the road and look at people that are coming on the way back and ask them what you should do. Yeah. And so I took that same approach, but I flip flopped it. I said, okay, I'm the one coming back. So here's what you should be aware of. And uh, I said, if someone had taught me this, this is the way I would have wanted taught. Right. And, and, and there's, you know, it's, it wasn't very conventional in the sense that there was a classroom and there's tests and, and all that. It was, it's a shop basically. Okay. Something, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, your, your guys, your guys office and there's pictures on your website. I mean, your, your office looks like, uh, you know, a modern development shop. It's, there's no, there's no offices. It's lots of open space and people, you know, sitting next to their colleagues writing code. And it, it, you're right. It's not a classroom. It's a, it's a shop. I mean, you guys are in business to, to find technical projects and work on them. Yeah. Um, Peyton, um, what, what, what do you think? Uh, I, I want to hear your take on this, too, because we've talked about it, and he's got a, a well, little bit of a... I mean, specifically, you know, we use Linda a lot, and then we use Pivotal Tracker to track the training. So we were using Agile, you know, methodology to even go through training to sort of uh, instill the stand-ups and the development nature into the uh, learning process. Yeah. Uh, and then as information was absorbed and kind of like built upon, then there were um, projects that were worked on where people got to, you know, show their abilities with HTML and CSS and then start using um, JavaScript and some, you know, back more back-end kind of programmatic languages to build some, you know, functioning prototypes of uh, different little applications. Um, so it was, 
yeah, I don't know. That's sort of how the learning environment was. Now, yeah. now Peyton also went through it too. Um, and Peyton, I want you to talk a little bit about that because when you came into it, UX and UI and all those kind of things were still a little bit new to you. So what was yeah. what was your experience like? So I had mostly just used Adobe Muse before. And then uh, all of my previous background, like I said before, was in uh, 3D modeling and then kind of just like 2D design and layout. Which I don't. I didn't have so much of a formal video series. I did some, Linda, but me and you were, you know, working on projects while they were training. So I was kind of getting a firsthand, I don't know, experience. Yeah. Peyton, uh, I noticed that he had. I've worked with designers before, and I knew that he had it. He just needed the knowledge and the and the playing time. <clears throat> right. Yeah. So and, and that that was the rest of the group. They just needed playing time. They needed to be able to to learn these things and then uh, you know learn the the basic level, the late basic stack of the technology stack, and then as Peyton said, as they absorbed things, we moved up the stack. Yeah. And we got more complex. We started using things like Drupal. Um, so we've we've now worked on almost thirty projects. Is that right, Peyton? Somewhere around there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And um, we most of those were Drupal. Okay. Uh, base and then also uh, we work in Xamarin uh, for any of the app development, which is now C sharp. So we're doing object oriented C sharp, and then also we're into uh, Unity. Uh, so you know it, it was a far cry from I can send email and I occasionally do Facebook. Yeah, no, that, that that's outstanding, and and you know given the size of the group and 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 how long you've been doing it, it's it's tremendous. So l- let me ask you this. Um, so when you and I spoke earlier, uh, you you talked about this this project that you're working on, this sort of very very important project. Are, are we still okay to talk about that? Uh, yeah, actually, there's been some um, advancement in that that I can actually talk a little bit about too. Okay, so so set this up for folks because as you know, what we've talked about so far has been has been very 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 interesting, right? It's we're using technology to to help bring up. Uh, a segment of a, of a community, um, you know, give people employment, obviously do some things for the community, you know, websites, mobile apps and so forth. But you told me about this, this bigger project that you're working on, uh, give, you know, give folks the basics of what this is, because I, I for me personally, uh, it's a, it's a, it's an area that I've been impacted by within my own family, but you know, it's a, it's a something that's, that's very important for the rest of the country as well. So give folks mm-hmm. a, a sense of what this project is. Sure. Um, so uh, we are a SOAR-inspired company. Uh, SOAR is meaning shaping our Appalachian region. Uh, so we, we feel like we were forged from the SOAR initiative. And, and what that means is, is that um, we're solving our problems, solving our own problems within the region. You know, they, the loss of the coal jobs, the loss of uh, the industry, um, we've got to pivot and adjust. And how did we do that? We're going to do that one way by establishing a tech sector and see if we can teach a coal miner to code. So right. that's been done. Yep. And now what are the other things that, that SOAR wants to uh, move forward? One of those is, um, you know, health and wellness. So uh, we, we started down a path that was led by SOAR. Uh, with a uh, hackathon that was co-sponsored by MIT. Peyton, do you want to you, you you do a better job introducing this? I want to let uh, send this to you. Okay, so I yeah I headed down to the MIT challenge, and before I went, we had sort of discussed what our research sort of trajectory would be in the in the competition or hackathon, and it was to create a 
um, a naloxone delivery system, uh, which is basically like an application that sort of acts like Uber. And someone who's experienced an overdose, someone who witnesses that can send an alert out. And someone with this life-saving antidote can then respond and come to this person's aid. Um, and so I worked with a pharmacist and then um, a drug counselor, and we developed you know, our initial prototype, did a presentation, got second place. And then we came back, um, and there was a federal competition uh, out that was the same challenge, create a, an application that can uh, increase – the naloxone delivery time. And so we pushed that for, forward, used Xamarin to actually build a, a functioning prototype and then submitted that as well. And then you can take it from there, I guess. Yeah. So, 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 so before, uh, before, before you jump ahead, so give, give folks a sense that, that aren't chemistry majors. What, what is naloxone and what is it the, the sort of anecdote for? So whenever you um, have an opiate overdose, the opiates are attached to like a receptor on the brain, and then I guess it can start to slow down some of your uh, like natural functions, like your lungs working and your heart working, and then eventually, you know, your lungs would shut down, you wouldn't be able to breathe anymore. So what this thing does is it goes and attaches that receptor and knocks off the opiate, and then you're just immediately kind of like alert and back to life again. Okay, so th- so this is this is going to. Uh, directly impact you know this this huge opiate meth epidemic that's that's all over the place it's uh you know it's it's in appalachia it's in the suburbs it's so so let's talk i want to i want to understand this a little bit so um so somebody uh somebody is on opiates or they're taking opiates they take too much which is a unfortunately a really common occurrence um somebody who's with them or you know they're at the you know, they're at the fast food place or wherever they might be that they see this, um, they, they launch this app and then where, you know, like we, we all know Uber, you open the app, it finds ride sharing for you. What is, what is the app trying to find? Yeah, it's trying to find people who have naloxone on them. So each state has different laws, but in some states, anyone can be trained on how to administer naloxone and then they can get a prescription for it, buy it from a pharmacist and then carry it on their person. Okay. Uh, some states, they can only be first responders. So in a place like eastern Kentucky, where it's really rural and, you know, cities are clo- maybe close together, but the road networks are really, you know, curvy and, and hard to navigate, it can increase response time from your emergency systems. Okay. And, and there's also the thought that, um, um, you know, you just mentioned something that, that a lot of people have a belief of is that they, the overdose is by taking too much. And there could also be a situation where uh, the, uh, the drug of choice is tainted. Oh, okay, sure, absolutely. Okay, so they're used to taking a certain amount, and then next thing you know, it's, it's an overdose. Or uh, they have been trying to quit, trying to stop, trying to, you know, refrain, and then and then they they have a relapse right yeah and that triggers it so so what this app is 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 not just for <clears throat> the person that's overdosing this is for the family member yeah or the, the concerned uh citizen that if they witness it if they're part of it they see it they can submit it anonymously uh this request and it's a real simple easy request um that you can put in just some bare minimum information 
and then it creates just like you know uber saying hey i need a ride and so then the responder which is the other part of the app uh would be listening and if it's in a vicinity then you would be alerted as to that um overdose okay and you would be able to click the overdose view the information on it and accept the request to go take the naloxone that you have to to that location so so first and foremost i i love the idea um you know like like i said having been impacted by this um without getting into all the details like something like this would have saved lives uh which is it and it is saving lives so so give us a sense of like where is the application you know where is the app at this point is it uh kind of is it is it regional is it something somebody could go download off the off the iTunes app store or like kind of where are you guys in the in the I don't know what what, what to call it sort of productizing of this thing or bringing it to market yeah. market because it's man it it has so much sort of goodness around it um what where are you guys at with it sure um well, we're we're still in the early early stages we've got a proof of concept we've demoed it several times uh actually demonstrated how it works and the data that it stores in the cloud uh where it stores the geolocation it stores all the information and and how it stores at each step a um, a ping if you will to the system that once the you know the responder has accepted the the information and and, and uh, uh has accepted the request where they are in the process all the way leading up to when they actually do the administering of the naloxone. Um, so we've, we've proven that we've got that. Um, and we can show it, we can demo that, um, where we are with deploying it and marketing it is still really early. Yeah. Uh, we, we've talked with several different people that are interested that, um, you know, see, like you see, you know, there's a, there's, there's a potential here. We've even talked with boots on the ground type people that say, uh, you know, like EMS and early responders and firefighters that are, um, yeah, this would help a lot. And for very, for different reasons, oh, sure. for varying reasons. So, so we're, we're trying to find out the best position to be able to enter the market. When we do, it will definitely be a free download yeah. uh, for people, but you know, we've got to have coverage. And like Peyton said, and he alluded to, you know, there's, States, all the states have different laws. Yeah, absolutely. And and so there's there's still some challenges there that we've got to overcome that aren't tech challenges. Right, right. No, absolutely. And it's it's you know I, I think uh, the 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 traditional Silicon Valley has this sort of joke uh, that, that we talk about. You know, the the popular apps that they make are, are typically you know a replacement for something your mom used to do for you. So. Get, get groceries, get a, you know, transport you, you know, those, you, you guys are, are taking a really different approach to it, which is, you know, it, it, it goes back to your, your heritage of how you started the company. It was, you know, you're trying to improve the community. You're trying to improve the region. You're trying to make people's lives, you know, pick them up from the ground up. And, and, uh, it's very, very cool. I, I will say this, um, and, and you, we can talk about this offline. We can put stuff in the show notes and stuff. I, I suspect given our audience, uh, you may have some people that reach out to you and go, I would love to, you know, help and get involved. And um, so, you know, I'll, I'll probably ask you at the end of the show, like, is there something that that our community can can help you guys with, you know, not not getting in your way, not trying to to, you know, do whatever. But but there's some folks, I think, who, who do a lot of interesting work on distributed systems and and stuff that might be able to to help you accelerate this if, if that's something that we could, you know, could, could interest you. But but let's not get bogged down in that. Let's talk for a second, though. So so this is this is obviously a different type of application from from some of the things that that you do day in, day out, you know, you know, just building a mobile app or, or building a web page or something. I mean, 
when you start to think about you know using the cloud, building a, a distributed types of application that you know in theory, if this thing were to roll out on a large basis, like you know the architectural considerations are are very very large. Like how, how do you go? You like have you started thinking about how to move beyond prototype to you know what a larger scale architecture looks like yet? We we have we've given it some thought definitely um, on how we would have to scale up and and um, you know it's it's definitely a challenge we want to have uh, because then that means that we're we're uh, we're being useful yeah absolutely. Uh, we're, and we're and this is relevant so um, you know if um, if that's how it works out if we get um, you know a million downloads on day one or whatever because of concerned people that are that, uh, you know, want to be able to help their loved ones, then, um, you know, hopefully that will catapult us or push us up to where we're facing those challenges and trying to solve those problems. So that'd be a great thing. And and help from the community. I mean, we are an open source development company, so we know what an open source community can do. Um, I mean, they basically help build BitSource in some way, uh, you know, um, uh, with all the work that has been done in the open source community. So... You know, it's um, it, it'd be a good challenge, yeah, uh, for us to to tackle. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let me let me ask you one, one last question, and, and uh, again, thank you so much for the time and, and telling your story. Um, when we were talking earlier, and I think I've seen it maybe on the website as well. Um, you know, you said, "Oh, you know, there's another media company wanting to come talk to us." T- talk a little bit about HBO. Apparently, is it, is it HBO or Showtime had had come out and, and filmed some things with you guys? Um, what, what's the what's the story behind that? Yeah, uh, Rusty kind of uh, frames this right. He said, "We're you know the um, coal miners that code are the new Jamaican bobsled team." <laughs> That's great. Uh, and, and it, it is true, but I, th- I think what we're finding out now is that we've really just touched the surface on something a little bit bigger. Um, and um, uh, we've been approached by several different people, several companies. Like I said, MIT, we've talk- been talking to uh, – we've talked with Google. We've talked with, of course, Red Hat. We've talked with um, uh, you know several media companies that want to cover us because of you know not just the social good kind of part of the story, but also – there's something here about, you know, blue collar tech uh, and um, and rural onshoring and those kind of things where, um, you know, we're we're, um, we're training the workforce yeah. uh, to do things that have never been done before. And so, uh, you know, it's been picked up by a lot of people, HBO, uh, NBC. Um, we've been in Fast Company and Fortune. what else, Peyton? Fortune and uh, CNN. So uh, we've been covered by a lot. The one thing I will say is, thank goodness, a story about Eastern Kentucky is a good story. Absolutely. And, so that's one of the biggest things that I think that can come from this is it's a, a little bit of a, a turning of the page, if you will, about the story of Appalachia. Yeah, no, I, guys, I, I think it's awesome. I, I I know a little bit about Pikeville because a, a, a close high school friend of mine used to uh, used to be a manager in the in one of the factories that was was in the town. I think it was the Kellogg's factory, and um, so I, I've I've heard some of the stories of the people. I know they're good people. Um, I, I you know I'll just say this. You know I, I've I've known you guys now for all of an hour. Um, it's it's great what you're doing. Uh, you should be extremely proud of yourself. Um, you know I know it's I know it's a, a humble set of people, and and you know but you know just the the foundation of what you guys are trying to do. You should be 
extremely proud of yourself. And I, and I hope that, uh, you know, what, what you're working on continues to grow and it, and it has an opportunity to spread and, you know, and become the next big industry, you know, uh, Silicon hollow is, is awesome. You know, um, I hope, I hope folks want to learn more about it. I hope that you get a chance to, to work with some people and, um, thank you so much for being on, you know, for, for anybody that wants to learn more without inundating you guys, just what's a good place to learn more about BitSource? You know, where's, where's the website, where's your Twitter feed, you know, where might you be out and about that somebody could, uh, could, you know, pick your brain or bring a project your way. Sure. Oh, that's great. Um, so yeah, bitsourceky.com. And then we're also on Twitter, Facebook, uh, bitsourceky. And, uh, we're on LinkedIn as well. Um, and you know, if, if, if you send us a request and you want to come by and tour the facility or something, we'd love to have you down, Brian, and come to the, come to our facility, the Coke building there on Hambly Boulevard and, uh, and just kind of see, you know, what we've got, you know, you can, uh, Rusty calls those mind tours. You know, they're they're cold people, so they understand that people want to come by and see, uh, you know, the product that's being delivered. And um, so, it, you know, we get a hold of us any way uh, that you can nowadays in this new tech environment. Uh, but uh, also feel free to pick up the phone and call us. Excellent. Well, guys, thank you so much for the time tonight. Really appreciate it. And, and folks. Um, you know, I, I told you that tonight's show is going to be a little bit different. Um, we're we're constantly talking about being technically curious, trying to improve your skills. Um, you know, and, and people worry about, hey, can I can I hop from one tech job to another? If if the folks at BitSource don't inspire you to that you can go out and do some of these things, I don't I don't know what does. So uh, for Rusty and for Peyton, thank you so much for your time tonight. And Aaron will be back on the next show. And folks, we will talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more shows, show notes, videos, and everything social media. 